Values are important. They reflect what we care about, what we're made of, and who we are. But what can happen when a church fully owns a set of shared values at their core? What can that mean for their sense of community and their purpose in the world? We invite you to take a deep dive with us into our core values of stewardship, ownership, simplicity, and hospitality. These are our four cores. Good morning once again, everybody. Oh, this is nice. This is nice to look out from here and see you there. It's a very beautiful sight. It always is, but especially today. So, yes, this is the last week of our teaching part of our four cores series. So we've discussed simplicity and stewardship and hospitality. And today that leaves us with ownership or what I'm going to be calling today true ownership, true ownership. So what we've been trying to do is to take a fresh look at these core values because we've had the same core values since the very beginning, back in the living room where Element was planted. So we've had those values. We've owned them again and again. We've examined them. We've, we've learned about them again and again, but it's been a little while, and so we wanted to take a fresh look based on what we have learned, what we have grown through to get to this point now at almost 12 years old. Almost. Almost there. Um, we're tweening so hard. Um, okay, so um, today, oh, no, before I, before I continue, next week, um, today is the end of the teaching portion of the series, but next week we're going to do something that we do from time to time, which is hear from some of you as owners about your reflections in this uh, series. So what you've been learning, what you've been processing, the fresh take that you've seen, um, that you've picked up from this series. So we'll have um, lots of people come and share that. So if you want to do that, come talk to me or Pastor Melody afterward, and you can join in next week as well. So that's going to be exciting. Okay, ownership. Let's start with a little story, and you're going to want to follow along on the screen for this one. Ready? There are four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Thank you. Thank you, Brenna. <clears throat> as silly as that little story is, right, it illustrates something really important. I think it shows us that ownership works best when we take ownership together. When we take ownership all together. That's when it works best. That's when the bases are covered. Here's how we phrase it in our little byline underneath uh, our core value over there on the sign. We'll put it on the screen. We take responsibility, all of us together, of our assignment to be the church. Now, you're going to say it with me. 
I mean, please, will you say it with me? Um, say it with me. Nice and strong and proud. Let them hear you online. Here we go. One, two, three. We take responsibility, all of us together, of our assignment to be the church. Very good. Now, there's a lot going on in that statement. And we're going to break that down as we go. But before we do that, we can't really do that until we explore a connection between ownership and another one of our core values. And to be honest, I had never really made this connection before. And maybe you haven't either. But it's really, really important today that we need to understand the connection between ownership and stewardship. Ownership and stewardship. Because the stewardship is about, hey, this doesn't belong to us. None of this belongs to us. We're caretakers. That's, that's nice. But then ownership, well, that sounds like we own something, right? Like something belongs to us. So how do those two go together? Well, I think it's pretty beautiful once we start to make that connection. But to do this, we need to reference Lord of the Rings. It's been a while, okay? It's probably been like two years. So nerds rejoice. The rest of you get your eye rolls done. One, two, three, go. Okay, so Lord of the Rings. So in Lord of the Rings saga, there is a kingdom called Gondor. Gondor. This is Gondor. And all the nerds are like, actually, that's Minas Tirith, the capital of Gondor, uh, which it is. So Gondor was ruled by a line of kings, right? A line of kings. But that family line of kings was thought to be broken, was thought to be wiped out. So in place of a king, Gondor had stewards to rule instead of a king. So in the story, Denethor, Lord Denethor, is the steward of Gondor. Now he was only a steward, right? Not a real king, because he was not in the family line of the kings. He was meant to take care of the kingdom such, until such time as the rightful king would return to rule. Does it make sense? Just say yes. Okay, this is Denethor. Um, I bet you can tell he's not exactly a good guy just because of the face he's making. So Denethor did not steward very well. He believed that the kingdom belonged to him, even though he was only a steward. Um, and that pride, that clinging to his role, to his title, to his position, to his power, it blinded him to the real problems that were going on inside Gondor and, and around Gondor. Because you see, Aragorn was the rightful king. This is Aragorn. I bet you can tell he's the rightful king just by the way he looks. So Aragorn is the rightful king. Denethor was really jealous of Aragorn because the kingdom that Denethor had been working for to steward really didn't belong to him, and he knew it really belonged to Aragorn, and he resented that, right? You see where I'm going with this? Here's the first thing I think that we have to realize about ownership today is that before we can take ownership, we have to acknowledge that we are only ever stewards. Before we can take ownership, we have to acknowledge that we're only ever stewards. And here's another way to say it. The first thing we have to own, before we can own anything else, the first thing we have to own is the truth of our stewardship. That's where ownership begins, with the truth that you and I are only ever 
stewards, caretakers of the king's kingdom. See, Denethor was clinging to that role, to that title, to that power, like it was his own, like the kingdom was his own, right? He did not want to just be a steward. He wanted to be in control. And he believed that Gondor belonged to him. That's why Aragorn was a threat to him. And that is not true ownership. That is not true ownership. If he could have owned the truth that he was only ever a steward, well, that would have been a different story. That would have changed a lot of things. He would have taken true ownership, what I'm calling true ownership today, the kind that acknowledges an ironic reality that taking true ownership, okay, you with me? Taking true ownership does not mean that we actually own that thing. Ownership is not about possession. You hear that? Ownership is not about possession. Ownership means that we choose to steward it as if we own it. Does that make sense? Ownership is not about possession. It's about stewarding something as if it belongs to us. See, we too have been entrusted with a kingdom while we wait for the king to return. And we've been given the assignment to responsibly steward that kingdom as if it belonged to us. That is true ownership. This warehouse is not ours. We don't possess it. This stuff is not ours. This money is not ours. This city is not ours. These children are not ours. Element Church is not ours. The kingdom is not ours. All of it belongs to Jesus, the king. Is that true? Because he is worthy and true, we take care of this warehouse like it is ours. We take care of this stuff like it is ours. We take care of this money like it is ours. And the city and these children and this church like it is ours. We take true ownership in this kingdom because it belongs to the king. None of these things belong to us, but we belong to Jesus. That's where the belonging piece is. These things don't belong to us, but we belong to Jesus. So we own our responsibility to steward his belongings as sons and daughters of the king. That's what I mean when I say true ownership. And this is not an accident. Remember the, the, little, the little tagline? We take responsibility, all of us together, of our assignment to be the church. We've been assigned that responsibility, entrusted, given that responsibility of the kingdom of God and everything that belongs to Jesus. It's been given to us. It's not a right place at the right time accident. It's a sign to us that we will be the church, not just go to one. And that is a high and holy calling, isn't it? That's why it all matters. That's why it all matters. That's why it's all holy work. The scrubbing of the toilets and the teaching of the kids and the feeding and housing hungry orphans of the city and making good financial decisions so that we can keep doing those things, greeting one another with smiles and 
eventually hugs and taking that hospitality out of this place and out into the city, all of that is taking true ownership. All of that matters. But here's the thing. We're not just entrusted with taking true ownership of the stuff that belongs to Jesus. We're not just entrusted in taking true ownership of the blessings that we've been given. Being the church is not about becoming self-sustaining and self-gratifying by everyone pitching in so that we survive. It's never just about us. Because we're also entrusted to take ownership of the mission of Jesus. We're entrusted to take true ownership of the redemption of brokenness in ourselves and in this world. Because we don't steward the kingdom of God so that we ourselves can just kick back and enjoy it. Is that true? We don't just steward the kingdom of God so we can kick back and enjoy it. We don't just steward the stuff, the blessings, and take care of the king's property, and that's all we have to do. We also have to take ownership of his mission. Building a retirement mansion, that's not our job. It's not what this is. Jesus is the one that said he would go prepare a place. We don't have to do that. We own our call to steward the kingdom for others, for others. That's what I mean when I say that we're entrusted to take ownership of the mission of Jesus, not just the kingdom of Jesus. Every act of ownership is not just to preserve the kingdom of God and his church. It's also to illuminate the world with the light of Jesus Christ. Preserve and illuminate. Salt and light. Kingdom and mission. Let's go to Isaiah 42. So this is a beautiful description of Jesus' mission that we get to own. Let's read Isaiah 42, verse 1. Take a good look at my servant. I'm backing him to the hilt. He's the one I chose, and I couldn't be more pleased with him. I've bathed him with my spirit, with my life. He'll set everything right among the nations. He won't call attention to what he does with loud speeches or gaudy parades. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. And he won't disregard the small and insignificant but he'll steadily and firmly set things right. He won't tire out and quit. He won't be stopped until he's finished his work to set things right on earth. Far-flung ocean islands wait expectantly for his teaching. Now, you recognize that that is talking about the Messiah, right? It's talking about Jesus, right? So what does that have to do with us taking ownership of being the church. Well, as I said, this chapter is a beautiful description of the cosmic, eternal mission of Jesus Christ. It describes the one true story that is redemption, the redeeming of all things by the one who is worthy to carry out that plan, right? It describes true justice and true shalom, doesn't it? But the thing is that we know that this is not just the mission of Jesus anymore. It's not 
Jesus' mission alone. It's our assignment. This chapter is now our assignment as the church. This chapter is how we're called to be the church. No, we're not Jesus, but we're learning to be like Jesus. So let's remind ourselves of this. Jesus told us we would do greater things than he did. That's what he said. He told us to go and make disciples who make disciples. He told us to love people the way that he loves people. He's given us his mission. We're his hands and feet on this earth. That's how we take responsibility of our assignment to be the church. So let's read this again, but this time I'm going to break all the rules and change some of the words. So, um, you know, if you're offended, just I love you. Um, but we're making a point, aren't we? We're making a point. So this time, let's read it, but we're going to put us into it because this is our mission. So, chapter 42. Take a good look at my servants. I'm backing them to the hilt. They're the ones I chose, and I couldn't be more pleased with them. I've bathed them with my spirit, my life. They'll take ownership in the work of setting everything right among the nations. They won't call attention to what they do with loud speeches or gaudy parades. They won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. And they won't disregard the small and insignificant. But they'll steadily and firmly set things right. They won't tire out and quit. They won't be stopped until they've participated fully in finishing his work to set things right on earth. That's taking true ownership of not just the kingdom of God, but his mission as well. And may that be so. May it be so that the people of God, that the church, this church, the capital C church, is known like that. That we own the mission to be the church like that. That we own the pleasure, the grace, the favor of God and our belovedness that he sings over us so that we go out confidently from that place under the blessing to own that work. May it be so that we're a light into the darkness, into the current darkness, the divisive discourse darkness, and speak justice and mercy for the flourishing of all people. May it be so that we take on the work of setting things right among the nations. May it be so that we never brush aside our responsibility to the bruised and the hurt and the least and the last and the lost. May it be so that we continue to shelter and nurture traumatized orphans in this city. May it be so that we continue to share our resources, our time and our prayer and our stories with each other and the world and invite others to do the same. May it be so that we won't tire out and we won't quit, that we won't stop owning our jobs as agents of shalom. May it be so. See, if we inherit the grace and the blessings and gifts as sons and daughters of the king, then we also inherit the responsibility to participate in embodying 
the gospel to the world. They go together. Element, your ownership is a thing of beauty. It's truly beautiful. And if I think about it for long enough, I'll start to tear up. And I'm not even a crier. It's like three times a year that I get a little watery. But the ownership that you choose as a body, it's truly remarkable. And I'm so grateful to lead in a family, in a community like this. We're taking ownership together. But we've got to make sure that our true ownership goes both ways. That we're taking ownership to steward the things we have been given, but also taking ownership to steward the mission we've been given. Does that make sense? Of course, I need to mention something here, and that is that there is a cost to that kind of responsibility. There's a cost to that kind of ownership. True ownership is costly, and you know this, but let's think about it for just a minute. To, to take ownership, true deep ownership, but keep your hands open, that's hard especially over time. It's hard to take responsibility to steward everything we've been entrusted with without clinging to it, without controlling it. That's hard. To trust that we'll be taken care of by God while we pour out and break for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of embodying the gospel to the city, that's hard. You know it is. You feel that cost too. And what did it cost Jesus to own his mission? It cost him everything. It cost him his life. He sacrificed his life for the mission. And if that's what it cost him, that's what it's going to cost us. But when we lay our lives down in sacrifice and we own the mission of God and it costs us our lives, it's a little bit different than death. It's a different kind of death, isn't it? It's a different kind of sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, for I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true pro and proper worship. True ownership does require us to sacrifice our lives, does, to lay them down, but it is a living sacrifice. It's the kind of sacrifice where the stuff that isn't quite so holy gets burned up. And the stuff that is of God rises from the altar like a sweet aroma, right? It's a living sacrifice. That word for living there, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's zao, and it means, in Greek, to experience God's gift of life. To experience God's gift of life. It's not just a word that means alive, or live, or life. Experiencing God's gift of life. See, living a life of true ownership, though it cost us our lives, to lay our lives sacrifice.
living fully. We sing abundantly, experiencing God's gift of life. It's living awake and in agreement with the reality that we possess and control nothing anyway. But in taking that true ownership, we're laying down our lives. And that is pleasing to our king. And that's what we want. If you love him, if you love Jesus, the king, that's what you want. To please him. To please him by taking true ownership to lay down your life to really live. When he returns, when we meet him, whatever that looks like, we want to have cared for all he entrusted us with and to have lived and embodied his mission, his gospel, his story. We win together when we take true ownership together. Our city wins when we take true ownership together. One more story to drive that home. An old carpenter was ready to retire. He told his boss of his plans to leave the house building business and to live a more relaxed life with his wife, with his family. He would miss the paycheck, but, you know, they could get by. They'd figure it out. The carpenter's boss was sorry to see him go. This, this guy was a very good carpenter. So he asked him, can you build just one more house? Just build one more house for me as a personal favor. So the weary carpenter, ready to retire, said, okay, I will. But in time, it became clear that his heart was not in the work. He was tired. He was ready to be done working. So he resorted to shoddy workmanship. He used inferior materials. Finally, the carpenter finished the house, and his boss came to inspect the work. And the boss looked at him and handed the key to the carpenter and said, this is your house. He said, it's my gift to you. What a shame. If the carpenter had only known he was building his own house. We take ownership of our assignment to build the kingdom of God because we understand that we're building our own house. We understand that we're taking ownership to love people like Jesus does because we understand that we're loving our own human family. We understand we're taking ownership to not only speak about the good news of Jesus, but to embody the gospel because we understand that we're stewarding our own world. We were given the assignment to build the kingdom of God, and the kingdom is where we all live. It's our own house. It's where our neighbors live. We take responsibility, all of us together, of this assignment. We won't stop and we won't quit. The band, you guys can come back up. And I'd like to spend a moment with a few questions for us to ponder. So take these in. Take pictures if you need to. Take notes if you need to. Because these are big questions. We can't take 10 minutes on each one. So if you want to write them down, take a picture or whatever. They're big questions, but I am going to give you a moment after each 
to think, to listen, to pray, to reflect. All right, first one. Is there something in your life that you are trying to possess instead of steward? And kids, what I mean by that, is there something that you feel like, oh, that's mine, instead of, you know, that belongs to God. I'll take care of it. What could it look like to take ownership of your stewardship in that place? So I'm going to give you a moment just to ponder that. Number two, how are you owning your assignment to steward what you've been given? How are you owning your assignment to also steward the mission of Jesus to embody the gospel of mercy, grace, justice, and reconciliation? And number three, is the ownership you're taking in your life costing you anything? Is it costing you anything? If so, are you resting and sourcing your strength from Jesus? So I want to challenge us. Take these questions with you. Think through them. Pray through them. Listen through them. Talk about them so that we can work out this word in our hearts and in our lives, so that we can reflect, so that we can listen, so that we can grow. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this teaching this morning and for this challenge. And God, it is so good to look at these values, which are the mission that you have given this community. It is good to look at them again and again and own them in deeper ways but it's also a challenge God especially when we hear it like this and we're reminded of the reality that none of it's ours to hold but that the ownership matters so deeply not just for this church but for your story for your kingdom and so God I pray that as we think about these things and as we ponder these questions that you will fill us with your strength and your energy to hold these things that are not ours. God, that you will keep our eyes fixed on you so that they don't become fixed on the things or the mission or the people, but God, that they're fixed on you. And we can't even do that in our own strength. It has to be yours. It has to be you flowing through us for us to be able to fulfill that prophecy of Isaiah for us to be able to say that those things are true of us it's only true of us because you are in us so God come alive more and more as we lean into all these values and as we pursue the mission of this church God will you help us to surrender our stories and our own missions and our own ways of thinking 
of how things would be best. Would you help us to surrender it all, to trust in you?